This is a new dimension in sound. The sound here has been recorded on the tape magnetically. This is us. We're back. Oh my god. Oh my god, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Yes, welcome back. Another episode of A Dave in the Life. The full show. Uh, no fapping around, not much editing, just the full conversations that happen before they go out on a regular radio program. So there might be some F-bombs, there might be some adult content, but hey, you have been warned. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And every time we upload it, this will arrive direct into your device. If you haven't got the time as well, please click us a follow on social media. Davo or Davo Radio on all the channels and you should be able to find my ridiculous mush. In this episode, it is a huge Good Things Super Special, two of the biggest bands in Australia and two of the headline artists. We are chatting to Winston McCall from Parkway Drive and Matt the Hoss Osking from Carnival, one of the country's most loved bands, but definitely not their most prolific. They've kept fans waiting a real long time for a new record and will hopefully pin the Hoss down and get an answer on when we're going to get that new album. But let's rip in to this episode of A Dave in the Life and seeing as how Parkway Drive will headline good things and play last, let's let them play first. This is a good thing super special with our first guest in this episode of A Dave in the Life, Winston McCall from Parkway Drive. Winston fucking McCall, how are you, sir? Oh, there's a fucking in there, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it'd be rude not to... I'm doing tickety-boo, mate. Uh, Whereabouts in the world are you right now, mate? Paint a word picture for our listeners at home. Uh, Right now, I'm sitting at home in my office, surrounded by 60 bags of Lego, which I'm trying to (laughs) organise. But you didn't expect that one. <laughs> I really did not. Are you, are you a closet Lego fan, or is this for the kids? Uh, yeah, no, it's not. It's not really closet, but um, I also use it to design uh, the stage sets that we put together. So I have like a, a Parkway stage Lego set, <laughs> which I've made. So yeah, when it comes to designing anything, I've got to make sure that it all works by putting it together on the Lego things and making sure all the perspective works together, and then then I can upscale it to the drawings. <laughs> that is off the chain. If anyone is up for a challenge and listening to the show, I'd love for you to take a Lego set along and try and put it together during Parkway's set at Good Things. I reckon that would be visually spectacular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would make for an awesome, awesome music video, Parkway Lego Challenge. <laughs> Mate, sir, an Aussie band headlining an Aussie festival, how bloody great is that? It's bloody great. I'm so stoked. It, it's yeah, it's really really nice. Um, I'm I'm quite proud of this one to be honest. So yeah, <laughs> we're expecting big things. I cannot wait for it. Good things, sixth, seventh, and eighth. How much of that insane live setup we saw recently across the country will appear at Good Things? Oh, more than that. More. <laughs> you got you got the indoor version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all here. If it passes customs in time, because um, right now it's sitting in customs, and it's been the world, like oh my, the story I can tell you about us getting that over from um, festival run in in Europe uh, would fill an entire show in itself. But right now, as long as it clears customs today, we're good to go. And um, it's yeah, it's a banger. It's going to be wild. So yeah, you've got the, you've got the nice indoor version so far. 
Parkway on a festival stage is a whole different ball game. <laughs> Excellent. We cannot wait to see what the rest of Europe's been soaking in for many, many years. And, and that's got shades mm. of Ramstein. Reminds me of when they used to get uh, stuck bringing the flamethrowers into the country. Uh, could you imagine being that bloke <laughs> in custody? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I'm just wondering what they're thinking today for when, it ro- when it's rocking up and what the description is that we've had to put in our customs form. And um, the fact that the whole country yeah, is under a fire ban at the moment as well is interesting. So it's going to go, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're excited. We're excited. Goodthingsfestival.com.au. The, the progress of heavy music in this country in our lifetime has is, is just been amazing. We're about the same age. And just to think that bands like yours would exist 20, 30 years ago, let alone be headlining festivals, is it's a pretty awesome concept to wrap your head around, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really, really is. Um, um, yeah, I'm really, really stoked with it because it's been it's been very strange existing like as a band during that time and knowing what the like what the scene and what the community was like when we first started and seeing the growth and seeing the explosion and seeing bits of recognition slowly start forming and being able to also be one of the like well essentially be the band that has been able to go overseas and be the ambassadors for that and have watched the entire international music community turn and focus on Australia and go, oh my God, there's something there that no one realised. It's really awesome. So to be able to, yeah, to be finally being able to like headline a major festival in Australia and do it, like do it up properly is, it's, yeah, it's really cool. (laughs) When this first came around, I was just like, Yes, like, if this gets to be us, we can be given this responsibility. I know we can do it right. And I know we can do it in a way that, like, will reverberate beyond just what our scene knows. So, yeah, good. Does it, <laughs> does it feel weird, I guess, in a sense, to still be an active artist and still be pushing the boundaries, but at the same time inspiring shitloads of younger bands? Because I think about uh, who you would have had locally for inspiration when we were kids, and it was just, around the Northern Rivers, it was just a whole lot of bush doofs. If you wanted to be a fucking DJ, that was everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like, we, most of the shows we went to were in Brizzy, all the shows we put on, like, in local halls and stuff in in Byron, it was just, like, tens of people. So... Yeah, as soon as the first wave of people that first started coming through and saying, like, oh, listen, the Parkland, I started the band, freaked me the hell out. Just like, what? Like, you, you can't have that relationship because I remember the bands that I used to look up to in that way. And um, it's just, for me, honestly, the strange thing is that I still remember all of that stuff so vividly and it's still etched into my memory so hard. This has been such a time warp of existence that... There's, I live in this really strange world where I understand the amount of time that, that new bands are coming through and going, yeah, they probably they probably were influenced by us. But at the same point in time, it, it's gone in flash. It's gone in a complete flash. And um, it's very hard to really wrap your mind around anything because we've never had a chance to stop and sit back and go, wow, that's been a crazy period. Now let's sit back and enjoy what's, happened we've constantly we're still at the same level of intensity if not more than when we started just pushing forward was it weird to put the documentary together viva the underdogs comes out cinemas everywhere january 22nd what's that kind of self-introspection yeah, like? just to say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's been it's been yeah. wild putting it together um 
because it like it does. The, the the craziest thing has been watching our faces um, on that and what we expected from the band and going, Jesus, we, we thought we wouldn't last five years and we're in year sixteen now. Um, but then also seeing, like it's been a the whole idea of this movie was to to not only make people be able to just see a visual representation of this band and um, understand the work that's gone into it, but also understand on a personal level what this has meant for us and what it takes to like to be in this project, which we've been like to live this life, which we've done for a long time. And that's it, 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 and how much, basically how much work and how much it is completely linked in with who we are. Um, because it's like, it's almost been half of our lives that we've been doing this. Um, and it's led to some, it's led us to some amazing places. But when you were constantly living in survival mode, like you were, we've just been waiting for the bubble to burst the entire time. Um, so when you're kind of not taking stock as you're going, it kind of, you can, yeah, you kind of don't, you don't learn to take it all in and you kind of forget to communicate and you kind of just move on to the next thing. And um, emotionally, it, it leads you to some really weird places and some really weird relationships. And it's it's taken a lot for us to, to be honest, to be able to survive as a band up until, <laughs> up until this point. So, yeah. What are you most proud of of your career thus far? Still being here, <laughs> still being here, and still like loving what we do. That's the thing. Like, um, there's been this has been. It's really, it's really weird because when we decided to do this movie, um, we're like, oh, we don't just want this to be the same thing. We don't want it to be just a Parkway Fun and Games because it is Fun and Games, but at the same point in time, people have seen it. So we were hoping that we could. There was something here which was that we could articulate in a way that meant more and basically right about that time we just had yeah it was right about the time that we realized there's a whole bunch of shit we hadn't dealt with within the band and how much work this band actually was and how much of a toll it was taking on each other and it was the first time we communicated to each other how much of a toll this band has actually taken and how much it has affected like shaped our lives for better but we never talked about what this has meant behind the scenes to any of us and it was it was a massive wake up call to us that if we didn't start communicating as friends and as adults within this this whole thing was just going to go up in flames really quickly. So having to do that within the context of everything else you've seen going on within this band, like literally playing the biggest shows you've ever played in your lives and having in, like injuries and having. Oh, everything else going on behind it and not being able to drop the ball on any of it has been absolute chaos. So, yeah, luckily the film crew with us the entire time. <laughs> it was weird. We got to the end of it and we were like, well, I guess we didn't have to fake anything. Like, this drama the whole way through. Like, it's, yeah, it's been interesting. You sit in the editing booth and say, okay, with that going in, you sound like a bit of a dickhead there. And we're like, no, that's how I was reacting at that point because... I didn't know any other way to deal with this stuff, and that's what people need to see. That, yeah, unless you talk about things, like you kind of you can back yourself into some dark places. It's an incredible amount of uh, emotional growth and maturity for you guys as a band, but you've always kind of displayed yeah. that in a sense. I guess you you were never that band that had to look back and apologise for all those drunken or stupid mistakes because you guys were pretty always on the ball and and, and fairly level. Yeah, that's the thing. We've been on the ball. We had our, like, basically we, we put our game faces on. 
And we were like, all right, this is our shot at doing things. And we approached it in the way that we approached getting on stage, 110% for every single thing. But at no point did, like, when something went wrong, we were just kind of like, cool, whatever, like, move on 110% to the next thing. But we never realized why that went wrong in the first place. And we never, and that worked, like, in terms of our personal lives as well. And when you're talking about what we do, which is, a very, it can be a very isolating experience. You Absolutely. can stand on stage in front of 10,000 people who will yell your name and cheer for everything, and then you've still got to hop back in a van with the same five faces you've seen <laughs> for 15 years, and that's the only contact you have. <laughs> and if you isolate yourself from them, then you, you are really, you can feel really, really alone. So, yeah, that, that happy shenanigans thing kind of, um, you never realize that it can kind of wet thin at some point in time. You might have to just go, yo, is this right? Is this the way we need to talk to each other? So, yeah, it's been weird. Looking forward to seeing this. Viva the Underdogs is in cinemas January 22nd. Parkway are doing good things, 6th, 7th and the 8th. Goodthingsfestival.com.au. You're going to run out of time real soon, brother, so I want to squeeze in a couple, oh, of, couple of my favorite yeah. questions. The first record that you ever got, man, do you remember it? Did you buy it? Did you steal it? What was it? What format was it? Do you still own it? The Prodigy, Music to the Jilted Generation. Oh. And I got that whenever it came out, and I got it because I heard voodoo people like on Triple J and was like, this is sick. And then I saw the cover art and I was like, this is sick. And I still love that record. So, yeah. <laughs> an amazingly aggressive record for an EDM genre. Oh, it is- insane. Insane, man. We played with them last year before Keith passed away rest in peace mate but that was one of the heaviest sets I've ever seen in my life it was incredible and much like yourself one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet in your life too mm, yeah yeah it's, yeah. a, it's a strange yeah. polarity, that, that I find a lot of people that aren't into heavy music don't really necessarily understand that uh, they are for yeah. the most part lovely yeah, people yeah for sure for sure yeah Winston, a pleasure to finally get you on the show, mate. Looking forward to uh, seeing you slaying the country for good things. Uh, mate, good luck with your Legos, fella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting. Just remember, everything you see on stage is one for piece of Lego. <laughs> I'm going to bring a Lego set along and see if I can uh, take on that challenge in Brisbane. Yeah, let's see what you got. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm bringing it, mate. Thanks for the chat. You look after yourself. Much appreciated. Thank you. Have a good day. that everything that you see on a Parkway Drive stage once started as a Lego set in Winston's office. Headlining Good Things Festival this weekend, the 6th, 7th and 8th, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, goodthingsfestival.com.au. This is generally the part of a day in the life where we wrap up and tell you to go and follow us on social media and all that type of jargon, but it's a Good Things Super Special and our next guest is The Hoss. Maddie Hosking from Carnival, also playing at Good Things this weekend. Let's rep into the second part of the Good Things Super Special on this episode of Dave in the Life. Hey, Dave. Some like it, Hoss. How are you, champion? <laughs> good, man. Thanks for that. I like that one. That's nice. It's this girl, this cafe in Perth that I go to, and every time I arrive, she offers me this new pun or like new line of hoss in something. 
What was the one she had yesterday? Uh, uh, oh, fuck. At some point, I'll think of it. But anyway, how are you, man? I'm good, mate. Look, look, we'll circle back, and hopefully you do remember by the end, because I, I love a good pun. <laughs> but um, look, where are you now? Can you can you paint a word picture for us? Because I can hear some extra voices in the background. What's going on? Uh, no, I'm actually by myself, man. I, you might have heard someone I was passing by. I'm just in my car. Uh, I'm driving to the studio uh, via somewhere that does extravagantly excessive coffee to wake me up. Uh, I was at U2 last night, so I'm a little, you know, music buzzy. Um, and I'm just uh, going to hit the studio pretty soon, man. Fantastic. Well, we'll skip forward a couple of questions then because I've heard a bit of a rumour throughout the year chatting to the Birds of Tokyo boys and a few other people that we might have a new carnival record soon. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely coming, man. It's definitely coming. We, we, I keep trying to put percentages on it, like where we're at <laughs> with this album as a percentage. And I've, I've gone in interviews from 50 to 85 over the course of about a two-week period. And that's kind of the nature of what Carnival is as a band. Like We take one step forward, two step backs a lot. So depending on the day and what we've done at the studio and how much we've ripped this shit apart and tried to put it back together uh, is, is how close we are to getting this album out, man. But it, it is coming, and we're nothing but thankful people are not uh, sending us too much hate mail about how long it's taking to finish. Um, I love what we've got. We've got this package of music that I'm so fucking passionate about, but, yeah, getting that last little piece is... Uh, is always the biggest challenge for us, man. So it is coming. I can't give a date, <laughs> but it is coming. <laughs> Patient and devoted fans can go out and grab some of the uh, re-releases on vinyl right now and get out and see you at Good Things. Any chances we might hear some possible new material at the festival coming up on the weekend? Yeah, I think we can guarantee on that, man. We're, we're a band that's always loved the idea of road testing new material and, and getting fan reactions and... Fuck, to be honest, we ignore most of it, but it's good to get it out there and, and hear, you know, see what people feel and, and vibe off this music and just to, you know, to play it ourselves, to feel it live. Live is such a different beast to sitting in a studio with no energy, or not no energy, but, you know, like a band energy as opposed to a, a large group of people listening to music. So, yeah, man, we're definitely going to play some new stuff um, and, and get a vibe on it and see how it feels. Well, it is a reconnection with your fans, I guess, in a sense. And, and, and I mean, that kind of intrigues me with you guys. There is long uh, gaps in touring schedules and release schedules. What are you doing in your spare time, mate? What's going on for the horse outside of, of Carnival? What, what keeps you busy? Yeah. Oh, we're all pretty pretty busy Muppets these days, man. We've got a lot of lot of stuff on our plates. And look, that Carnival is that project that we always said that was it, man. It was always the project that everybody could know was there and we know we can come back to and, and it's it's a it's a long term project for us. So whatever we are doing and whatever we are in the universe, it's always in the back of our minds, uh, you know, this this project and, and that music and, and pulling that stuff together. Um oh man, I do a bunch of stuff. I, I you know, it's always everything music. My life is music in whatever form. I look after other bands, I, I, I play, you know, sort of session studio stuff. I've got a couple of other little music projects that I'm working on, but nothing I can really talk about right just at this moment. And then, um, yeah, man, the rest of it is uh, a little bit of family time and the rest of it is us in the studio just pumping out um, uh, new music and getting excited about uh, working with that stuff. 
85% on the new record for fans who may have just joined the conversation. Hopefully they're going to hear it real soon and see the boys just slaying stages at Good Things Festival. Uh, mate, I played football with, with Westy from Birds recently and, and, you know, I had to mark oh, him yeah. and, and I just kept trying to rib him throughout the game and I said, you know, do you, do, do you feel like Kenny's the dad who goes out for a packet of darts every couple of years and then you just see him on TV with his other family playing shows? Is it is it that feeling for both of you guys? Like Kenny's just constantly ducking out for darts and never coming home? <laughs> I feel like he's a guy that's always somewhere else, you know. It's like whenever you're sort of, oh, where's Kenny? Oh, he's somewhere else. Oh, okay, cool. No worries. We'll see him soon. Oh, he's a busy man, man. Busy man. And those, those cats are super busy at the moment as well. So, I don't know. For some reason, and we were talking about this the other day, somehow, magically, the timing has always worked out for us. Like, we just... I know, it's like we get something done and we're like, oh, I know, is is Kenny available? We're like, oh, yeah, he is. Oh, sweet. (laughs) And I think birds have kind of said the same things, man. We we seem to just be lucky at the moment, or have been so far, as it it just always seems to work out for us. But, um, oh, yeah, man, I think everybody's busy. I think life is busy for everybody at the moment. Maybe there's a a cross-promo for both bands there where you've released a book that's kind of like Where's Wally, but it's just Kenny buried in mosh pits around the country. (laughs) That's a great idea, man. Where's Kenny? Someone's (laughs) got to do that. All right, well, lock it in. Any uh, aspiring illustrators out there that want to maybe draw that up? Uh, but seriously, though, we, we ran a poll a couple of years back, mate, and talked about uh, underrated Oz rock bands. We're pretty fortunate at Rebel to play uh, a full spectrum of rock. Uh, the Vool were the third most underrated band of all time in this country, just behind Cosmic Psychos and Cog. Uh, who would you throw into the list of bands that you think are just incredibly underrated in this country? Oh wow, man! I think Cog. I think that that your number was that is Cog number one. I think that's very deserved, man. Those guys are, are machines and get so much respect worldwide, and and yet you know they still seem like so under the radar in so many people's eyes. Um, uh, oh wow, who else would I add to that list? God, I think the, oh, these days I think it's like bands like the old sort of classics that sort of drift. You, know, you kind of you don't know what they're doing. Like bands like Sheehad, like Sheehad to me should be doing stadiums. Yeah, they're a freaking amazing human beings, an amazing band, and I'm, I'm going to claim them as Australian, even though they're really New Zealanders. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, man, I would definitely add, add people like that to their list. And I know they have had you know, huge success, but you know, I just feel like it, they never got what they deserve, so to speak. You know. Mate, look, uh, a band of the world, of course. Uh, our good mate Johnny Too Good lives in Melbourne now, and he, he's had an Australian uh, child here. And of course, Tommy Larkin was yeah. the son of a, a Japanese ambassador. So they're really a, a band for the citizens of the world. Let's be honest. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Oh, I love those human beings. Tom, John, Phil, oh, Carl, the whole band, man. What legends, legendary human beings. And that's the pleasure of being. I think in the Australian, New Zealand scene and, and the pleasure of things like Good Things Festivals is that, you know, everybody, there's just such cool cats out there. We're playing amazing music and awesome human beings and getting to hang out with those kind of people and play music is, is uh, it's a, you know, it's a privilege for, for any of us. The 6th, 7th and 8th across the country, it's, uh, it's a tough grind for some of those international acts who might have to fly home. But for legends like Hoss, uh, are we expecting big things from you at the after party on Sunday, mate? I'll do my best to represent, man. Uh, I don't like to let the team down, so uh, I'll, I'll do my very best. Excellent. Uh, you guys recently played in India, and I was checking out the, the lineup for this festival in Mahegalaya. I don't know if I've got anywhere close to that. Um, but crazy, <laughs> they seem to really like their progressive rock over there, don't they? They really do, man. Yeah. The, the first time we went there, that was like our fourth or fifth trip to India. 
Um, one of the first times we went there, we thought we were playing like this kind of small student festival. It was just sort of a you know, chance to dip our toes in the Indian market and feel it. And we got there. It was like this big stadium. We're like, oh, crap. <laughs> it's a huge festival. No one's going to know who we are. Um, and we, we played this amazing show. And like, uh, there was a crowd of, I don't know, 15,000 people. They were all singing along. And it was one of those sort of surreal, what the fuck's going on here moments. Because we didn't have any album sales there. And we had no idea what, what, to, what to expect from this show. And I think people just... You're right about progressive music, man. They love progressive music. They love, uh, you know, word of mouth. Much like Australians do, they, they you know, they, when they're passionate about a band, they'll, they'll want all their friends to know about it. And I think that's kind of what we hit there. And it's kind of been the same ever since. But it's, uh, it's an amazing place and with amazing music. Uh, obviously, whilst being respectful, I'd imagine OHS and crowd numbers would be slightly different to playing a local festival in this country. Very different, man. Very different. I've never in Australia had a monkey pick up a Coke can, climb on top of the stage and start pouring Coke all over my amplifier. So um, there's, there's one example of the differences between our two great countries. <laughs> that is sensational. Uh, did you did it like throw you off concentration for a second? Was there a bit of like, what the, what the <laughs> exactly. hell? actually in sound check, so it wasn't too bad but yeah it was pretty confusing man we saw them all like they kept reaching in and stealing shit off our rider from our band room we thought oh this could go sour real quick but um they were quite friendly until he started pouring coke on my amp and i was like ah oh, fuck you <laughs> <laughs> that is sensational uh look when you guys are on stage i'm going to sneak into your room and drink your rider and just say that a monkey did it <laughs> there you go man that's a good excuse Mate, something we ask everyone that comes on the show, uh, even ScoMo got hit with this question. Do you remember the very first record that you got as a young fella? Was it given to you? Did you buy it? Did you steal it? What format was it? And do you still own it by any chance, Hoss? I do still own it, man. I was just talking about, because the vinyl I'm, I'm loving at the moment. I don't have a, I've got a very small collection of vinyl, but they're all the albums I'm super passionate about. Um and I've got one that my brother and I used to listen to on repeat, which was Queen's A Night of the Opera, uh, obviously Bohemian Rhapsody, classic. Um, but there's, I've got this scratches all over it. I don't know where. We must have bought it from some shoddy freaking record salesman or whatever, but there's scratches all over it. And every time I still hear those songs, I can I hear where the bumps are from my vinyl, um, and it gives it this kind of weird extra character. But, um, oh, yeah, man, that album was killer. And vinyl, listening to things on vinyl is still a passion. It's like it's it's different, you know. It makes you get excited about music, which is which is cool. Not like just uh, chucking on a a, uh, a digital stream. It's uh, it's a bit more uh, intimate than that. And isn't that funny? I was talking to my wife about that same uh, kind of subject the other night. And when you used to buy records, there was no such thing as Spotify, and you had to listen from start to end. And more often than not, the the first song and the last song you seem to love more than all of the singles. Yeah, I think there's a lot more, you know, in- intimacy for record companies and the rest to put, to get the song order right, I think, which is cool, you know, to me, because, I mean, especially for a band like us, we lo- we're all about the album, all about the integration of themes and thoughts and ideas over a long process of music, and you can imagine they would have had to put a much, uh, a much greater uh, emphasis on the, uh, the the song listings from start to finish because of that very fact, man. The first song would have been the punch. And the last song would have been the one that, that, that was uh, the, the earworm that lasted with you for a long time. Absolutely. Very well said. Uh, the boys from Carnival playing good things, 6th, 7th and 8th. Uh, 85% of the new record is done and all the great records that you know and love have been re-released on vinyl. Uh, it's been a pleasure to finally get you on the program, Hoss. Uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully sinking a few tins with you next week. Thanks, Dave. Looking forward to it, man.
one dimension in sound. The sound here has been recorded on the tape magnetically. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, dive. <laughs> dive.